Welcome to the No Ideas Original Podcast featuring Shanam, Mr. Rob, and Ken. We got another dope episode for y'all. Yo, I think this week is sort of like our week of kind of spanning the globe and hip-hop, right? Or spanning the states and hip-hop. So yesterday, you know, we had a brother from the Midwest, Dre Banks. Um, today, we're fortunate enough to have a West Coast pioneer join us for a conversation. Um, and it's just to me, like, these, these are dope conversations. You know why? Because... I think we have a tendency sometimes to be like East Coast centric, like having grown up and lived on the East Coast. I remember we were doing, I think we were interviewing Mike Geronimo and Mike Geronimo's rep was like, damn, yo, you're hella East Coast. And I was like, yo, she right. Based on, based on all the stuff we was naming, it was everything was East Coast oriented. So to be able to have this next brother on is just to me like fresh perspective. You know, I don't know about for y'all, what, do, what, what are your thoughts? What, what do you think about that, Rob, Ken? I mean, it's, it's a, whole, a whole different vibe, for him. I'd like to know about, you know, what the scene is like out there on the West Coast a little more. So I, I think it's real good. Yeah, man. And, you know, for us to span the globe, that that, that just puts our name out there, too, man. That you know, ideas original is, is coastal. We buy coastal, try coastal, up, down, we all over the place, man. So, it's good stuff, bro. Without further ado, let's bring our guest on, Mr. Nasty Nest. Found a nasty mix records, brought Sir Mix a lot into the game. You know, this 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 man is a West Coast pioneer. You know, so welcome to the platform, Nasty Ness. How you doing, man? Hey, what's up? So co-founder, I gotta give my props to Ed Lock who started okay. it, started me and Mix a lot. And uh, yeah, you said you said West Coast. So if I was in the Philippines right now, that would be way way out there, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yo, I want to, I want to ask you about that. I want, I want, I want to ask you about that because what you, you came, you came to, you came to Seattle at the age of ten, right? Talk yep. to us a little yep. bit about what life was like in the Philippines, because you know a lot of times people kind of they come when they so early, they don't have recollection of what it was like actually growing up where they're originally from. So what's life like in the Philippines? Well, you know, I spent majority of my life growing up. Uh, in, on Okinawa, Japan, because uh, my mom worked in the military hospital, uh, and uh, you know, but but I spent time in the Philippines too. But most of my recollection was like living on Okinawa, you know. So, so if you ever watch Karate Kid two, that was what my life was like. Yeah, with, wow. with Daniel San and the Chosen and Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, they were there when I was living there. So yeah, that, it was it was like that. <laughs> but but what was it like? I, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, eating sushi every day was a common thing to me. Mm. So when I came to the States, no one in the States really knew what You know what sushi is, right? The Japanese yeah, sushi. Yeah, I eat sushi. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but back then, like, no one knew what sushi was. And then I, I when I came to the States, I was going, wow, there's no sushi here, <laughs> you know? And, mm. and then when I, was, when I would watch TV, um, you know, they had, you remember Speed Racer? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it started in Japan, uh, Speed Racer. And uh, uh, so th when I watched it, I would watch it in Japanese. And then when I came to the States, it was in English. I was going, that's weird. I didn't know you could speak English. <laughs> that's why the mouthing looks like that. <laughs> yep. you, have you, um, how often do have, have you been back? Have you been back to the Philippines? Oh, man, I have been... Philippines probably well, my mom passed away in 1980 so we buried her there in 1980 and I think I went one more time maybe in 1983 or 85 but I haven't been there since but I would love to go back you know uh, especially to visit my mom's grave and you know and, and just just to go back you know for old times sake right there go Jeff right there salute to the staff at No Ideas Podcast also salute to my homie DJ Nasty Ness that's yeah, Jeff I'll tell you later on about the story we got to talk about oh, yeah. that me behind the scenes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Jeff. I, I told them some, a secret about you. And I thought they already knew. So never mind. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, listen, Seattle, you know, listen, you got Sir Mix-a-Lot and stuff. Tell us a little bit about the Seattle rap scene. Um, well, you know, when it first started, uh, probably the very early 80s, 1981, maybe, uh, the first rap group there was the Emerald Street Boys, 
and uh, one of the members passed away a couple of years ago, Sugar Bear, rest in peace. But uh, I was actually the DJ for that group, and in 1983 is uh, when um, Sir Mix-a-Lot and I finally hooked up, not knowing that we actually went to the same high school. I was two years older than him, but you know, I always hung out in the hallways. I never really went to class, you know. And, but he remembered me always hanging out in the hallways and hanging out with the brothers and everything, you know. Uh, but we never talked to each other back then. But he remembers me. I just don't remember him. Uh, but with 1983 is probably when the, uh, I got to know him. Um, but the rap scene wasn't really big then as far as local groups. But there were a few coming up uh, that I can remember. Frostmaster Chill. Uh, Man, I'm just some. There's a few that man, I can't remember the names. Baron Von Scratch, uh, and Portland had Vitamix, and the U Crew, and uh, yeah, that's that's about it. You know, it wasn't very very big, but the music became really big when I started playing it in 1980, and by 1984, it was huge in Seattle. Cause I would I would go to New York every all every every year now buy records with my own money and then bring it back and play it on my radio show. And people go, oh, what's that? What's that? Who's Becky Fred? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And until the label, until the record label started realizing, wow, he's the only guy in Seattle that'll play our stuff. Maybe we should just send it records for free. Mm. And I like that word, free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and the, just, you know, we were like you said. You know, New York uh, played a big influence in my life. Like I've got, I got to meet a lot of uh, hip hop artists coming up from the New Music Seminar. I met, I met them all. Metronic, Real Rock Band, Rock Band Shante, the Fat Boys, Rock and Duke. Uh, yeah, you name it. I, I pretty much met all of them. You know, I was fortunate to meet them, and I was like starstruck. I was like, God, you know, it feels like to be popular. God, they're on MTV. Wow. <laughs> and, and I want I want to be like that, you know. But back then, really, there were no Asians around, really doing it. Uh, uh, one guy after me became popular. Uh, a, uh, Fresh Kid Eyes from the Two Live Crew. Yeah. <clears throat> that was that was kind of it. It was just him and I, you know. And they and they one would say we look alike. And uh, so if I was out of town, they'd think I was him. And then they think I see with me, but ah, we don't look alike. <laughs> I'm, I'm handsomer. I'm a little cuter. <laughs> let me let me ask you. What you know? I'm gonna take a step back just a little bit. How how was it transitioning coming from the Philippines into American culture? Well, um, <clears throat> being that I grew up also in Okinawa, you know, uh, I uh, lived around the military base so I had a lot of American friends and so the transition wasn't too hard as far as speaking English uh, well, I think the hardest transition maybe was the way I, the way I spoke the way I dressed um, yeah I, I really thought I would look cool moving to the States wearing these Hawaiian shirts because back there wearing Hawaiian shirts you know you look you would consider really cool but you warm here, yeah, I still just laugh at you. <laughs> and then I had this really haircut, which I thought was real cool because I used Vitalis, uh, this, this hair oil Vitalis. Mm-hmm. And my dad used it, so I used this. So I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. I'm going to the station. Well, I tell you, if you saw my fourth grade picture, well, I look really nerdy. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, but yeah, so the transition at that point was a little, a little bit hard because I had no friends when I first moved right. here. Uh, it was it was different, you know. And then I and I grew up around a lot of minorities, and uh, and uh, that's probably uh, why I get along with you guys, <laughs> you know, and, uh, more than I do with Jeff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> in, in terms, I guess, in terms of the assimilation. To, you know to United States culture did you ever feel do you ever felt like you actually lost your culture or did you feel pressure to assimilate the United States culture I didn't feel pressure I felt kind of cool uh, changing adapting to the new culture you know uh, uh, I think 
throughout the years, though, I, what I didn't do was embrace my race being a Filipino and embracing that I'm from Seattle <clears throat> uh, growing up. And I remember uh, when my mom died, I was 18 years old. That's uh, when I realized this guy, you know, she's Filipino. Um, I would eat Filipino food at restaurants that remind me of her. And I just wow. kind of want to know more about me. And then, you know, spending time in New York, I would wear these t-shirts that said Bronx on it. So I would pretend and, and talk like I was from New York. And, you know, and tell people, you see where you're from? I'd say, I'm oh, New York. <laughs> you know? And then until a mix lot from me, uh, he said, why do you always do that? You're from Seattle. You're probably from Seattle. You know? And, and he always wore Mariners, Seahawks gear. Even if they weren't popular back then, he always wore them. Seattle yeah. Sonic. And I started thinking, yeah, you know, you're right. So I, I stopped wearing the Bronx t-shirt and uh, started embracing more than I'm from Seattle and uh, than I'm Filipino, you know, because there really, really wasn't any uh, Asian in hip hop. You know, like I told you, it was uh, yeah. uh, Fresh Kid Eyes and a record promoter from Profile Records. His name is Manny Bella, who helped Drake run DMC. Him and I became very close friends. Uh, uh, but other than that, man, that was that was really it. You know, you know the irony. I think of it. You know, listening to you talk about that there weren't Asians in hip hop back then. Now you look at hip hop, and I feel like Asians are sort of at the forefront of actually keeping the culture alive. You know, yeah. when you start thinking about break dancing, graffiti, hip hop purists, DJ. <laughs> DJing, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like that. Like all aspects of hip hop, Asians have really embraced, and they stuck true to the art form. Whereas other people sort of swayed and, and you know, I think other people swayed based on the commercialization and the monetization of the music, but Asians have really, really kept it pure at heart. What do you think that's about? Well, in 1992, that's when Nancy Mix closed its doors. And I was, and I was, and as I was telling you, I started embracing the culture more and more. I said, what's one way I can contribute to hip hop that involves my, my nationality? So I, I, opened up my own company and I called it Crazy Pinoy Promotion. And Pinoy means Filipino. And uh, when I would call businesses or whatever, you know, they would remember my name. But when I say I'm with Crazy Pinoy Promotion, they say, what's the Pinoy? What's the pony? They go, no, Pinoy. What's that mean? Filipino. But I think a lot of people now know what that word means. So I think uh, that was part of my contribution, making Pinoy a household word in the hip hop culture. So I'm kind of proud about that. Um, I've heard in interviews also, you talk about the influence of WKTU. And uh, one, of my, one of my favorites of all time, man did in my heart, Mr. Magic's Rap Attack. Mr. Oh, yeah. Um, how did your time in New York, and Rob will appreciate this because Rob want to get into this. How did your time in New York influence your hip hop roots? Well, when we moved to the <clears throat> states in 1970, uh, my sister uh, didn't stay with us in Seattle. She had a scholarship to New York University. Uh, and in our culture, Filipino culture, it's mandatory that we stay close as a family. So my mom, insisted that I spend the summers in New York, you know, I was like, Tom, I'm, I'm only like 10, 11 years old, and you're gonna have me on the airplane by myself <laughs> going to New York. So you're like, you must see your sister, you must spend time with your sister, because you love your sister, right? And I was kind of like, <laughs> lying. I was kind of like lying, go, yeah, I do. But I mean, I love her, I love her now a whole lot. But back then, you know, your sister, <laughs> you know? Uh, so, and it was a blessing because as I got older, um, her best friend, and you might recognize the name, Ann Tripp. Ann Tripp. Oh, um, WBLS. Yeah. Yeah, she uh, actually got her start, I believe, on WKTU. And it was a coincidence that her, her yeah, 92KTU, her and my sister were very good friends. And she told my sister, go, hey, uh, you might be stopped by the radio station because I've got to drop something off for my friend Ann Tripp. I go, okay. So we went up there and not knowing what I was about to see. And I went up there and then I go, whoa, this is the station two on the radio. And uh, there was, uh, I'm gonna bring up some names that might refresh your memory. 
I met Paco. I met uh, Al Bandiro. Yeah. Uh, I'm, and one of the guys that who I like not really mentored me, but he became someone I really looked up to, and we became friends. The day he died was uh, Carlos Day Jesus. Wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's class. That guy. He's an on-air personality. I go, wow, I want to be like him. He's yeah. so cool on the mic, you know. So that that was the influence from uh, KTU. And then I would listen to their weekend shows. I would record, and I still have tapes on cassette recording uh, the mix show. Uh, I was I was like, how do they mix all these songs on just two turntables? But it sounds like they got ten turntables. It was like the, the Latin Rascals, uh, Jelly Bean Benitez in the mix show. I was like, they're really good. How they do it? And I figured out how they did it. Um, so I, you know, that that played a big influence in my life. But yeah, 92KTU was uh, one one of two starts in my career that really convinced me that's what I wanted to do as a career in radio is get, get into radio. Mm. So even Frankie Crocker was your influence too, right? Yes. Uh, you know, I would record the weekend shows, and uh, I would record him. Because his style and delivery was so cool, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and then I remember, <clears throat> excuse me, I remember meeting him at the New Music Seminar. But he kind of dissed me though, because I, I think it was him. Because uh, we were at the New Music Seminar, and it was one of those panels where you can play part of your music, and then they'll tell you the honest opinion about it. Mm-hmm. So I was there trying to shop, shop for mix a lot with Ed Locke. And I really want to know his opinion on it. And he said, well, buddy, you know, that's not going to work out here. Yeah, but it'll only work in Seattle where it's, where it's like rains all the time, horses and green <laughs> forests. <Wow. laughs> and I go, God, did this guy really look up to just, just me? <laughs> you know? so, so ever since that ever since that happened, it was like, I'm on the mission. I want to prove this. You know, I would play his stuff to everyone. Proves them that uh, now they're wrong because I'm getting requests more than the Michael Jackson and Madonna song on my radio show. Right. Even though I'm in Seattle, there's got to be a reason why these people are requesting this unsigned artist. You know, they um, must like it for some reason. I like him because I can do dope. You know, so different. No one else sounded like him, and you know, coming from the West Coast, it's kind of rare to hear uh, uh, rap music coming out of the West Coast unless you're from the Bronx. You know, because right. I used to be from the Bronx. That's the right. Bronx. That's right, bro. <laughs> hey, bro. Yo, P, good luck out for Super Chat. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you, you, were the first, you were the first in the West Coast to play hip-hop on the radio. Um, you know, maybe I wasn't the first, but I'm the first to have an all-rap radio oh, show. Oh, yeah, uh, oh. You know? Uh, and it was on a, believe it or not, it was on a commercial radio station too, which was kind of unheard of. Yeah, it was on AM. To allow you to do that. Well, it it started out where where my boss he wanted to do a show. Where I was just getting started in radio, and he called it. He said, "Let's call it Fresh Track." What we're gonna do is that show's gonna be two hours on a Sunday night, and the whole uh, idea behind the show is I'll be playing every, new music, so I'll be playing new gap bands new friends, new wow. whoever came out with something new. We actually all knew. And then I slowly started playing rap music and I noticed every time I played it, the request lines would just light up like crazy. They want to hear it again. Then they would call on the weekdays asking to hear it, you know, because of my Sunday night show. So kind of slowly, even though my boss hated rap music and I had listeners calling, complaining, saying that terrible music is not going to last. <laughs> I said, no, you're wrong. This is going to be 20 years from now, you people are going to be making a living out of this music. Trust me. And I don't know, for some reason, my boss, my, my, my boss, he was the one of those kind of bosses where, you know, he's kind of intimidating kind of guy. And, you know, whatever he says goes, but I don't know, he listened to me and he gave me a shot and an opportunity. And, and to this day, we're very, very good friends. I'll never... I always wondered why he always yelled at me and screamed at me, but it's because he believed, you know, he believed in me. And I think if he didn't, if he didn't do what he did, I wouldn't have learned what I learned. But yeah, so it, the show Fresh Craft eventually turned into an all rap radio show. And wow. every and every show at the last 30 minutes, I would do a master mix 
you know, I would do like Jelly Bean and the Latin Rascals. Well, people listening going, yeah, that's like he has 10 turntables. How's he doing only on two turntables? But they can't sing on the radio because I was pre-recorded. Yeah. <laughs> I heard today's your birthday, I heard. Yeah, well, you're like a second or third person to say that. I don't know what, where that rumor came from. No, Happy it's birthday, April. No, it's not my birthday. No, no, no. It's in April. April 27th. I, I don't know why people are saying happy birthday to me, but, you know, you can cash at me at Nest Rodriguez. <laughs> if, you, if you really believe it's my birthday, I want out. Okay. Oh, man. So how did you learn, how'd you learn to DJ? Um, through Ed Locke, the guy who uh, started Nancy's Records. Uh, he uh, was originally a radio DJ on the radio stations that I had my show on before it got sold. Uh, it was called KYAC, 1250 KYAC. And it was a coincidence that uh, his sister was my hairdresser. You know, I used to go to this bougie salon and pay, like back then, paying $25 for hair that was considered like, expensive, you know? Oh, yeah. Then, in, the, in, yeah. The 80s? in the 80s? In the 80s? No, it was like maybe 79, 78, 79. Oh, wow. Damn, you, was doing, you were doing really good for yourself. Yeah. No, no, no. No, no, trust me. Listen. <laughs> you, don't spend mess, no cash apps. He's good. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. The, she's Chinese, and, I, and then we got along really well. And I used to train her at the health club I worked at. I used to be a, 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 a fitness trainer. Believe it or not, I used to be a fitness trainer, but uh, we became really good friends. And I told her, I go, yeah, I love coming to your, your place here, but it's so expensive, you know, I don't really make that much, you know? She goes, well, I tell you what, why don't you come to my mom's house and I'll cut your hair there and you'll only have to pay like $10. Really? Yeah, and they didn't live that far from me. So I would go to her mom's house and her, her, her brother, they all lived there. And every time I go and get my hair cut there, I would hear all this music upstairs, like Function, Lakeside, and a guy was DJing and so he yeah, he's really good. He goes, who's that? He goes, oh, that's my brother. You probably heard him on 1250KYC and he also DJ at, DJs at a club called Spectrum. I go, I've heard of him. Can I meet him? So uh, I finally met him. And uh, he invited me to his show uh, to answer request lines. And uh, after, that was the first time I ever been really to a real radio station. And that's when I realized, man, this is what I want to do. I, and after I was going to New York to WK2, that's when I really, really made my, my mind. I go, you know, I, I really don't like going to school. I don't like to study. I, I can't stand reading books. Everything's bad you can think of. That's how I was. But I love being behind the mic. Um, right. I love being at the turntable, and I go, you know, and I when I did it, I got to be honest with you, I didn't do it because I thought I was gonna be rich or famous or anything like that. I did it because I loved it. And I found, I finally found something that I really loved to do that wasn't breaking, that wasn't breaking the law, you know. And uh, unfortunately, my mom passed away. She never got to see what I what I became. But, but my sister played a big influence because of her, her friend Aunt Trip. So, uh, so if you ever see her on the street, to say, hey, you remember Nancy Ness? You, you and your sister, we gave you props. <laughs> and and Tripp and Tripp is still on, I think. She's still on WBLS, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We're, yeah we're like we're like Facebook friends. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. So, from a timeline perspective, yourself on the West Coast and Mr. Magic were the only hip hop shows on the radio, probably. Yeah, and then uh, KDAY, I think, came along probably maybe 83, 84, probably, in L.A. And they became all rap hip-hop, 24 hours a day, AM stereo. They were on AM2. Um, that's where uh, Greg Mack, uh, uh, you know, got his, everyone got to know who he was uh, from, L from L.A.'s KDAY. And that's where, you know, a lot of L.A. groups became very popular from this show. But everything he played, I played too, you know, but uh, yeah, it started to evolve around there. Yeah. I just, for me, I look, I'm like, damn, like, just to put this in perspective, if we look back that far, a lot of the old rap was college radio stations. It was predominantly college radio stations in the East Coast. So for you to visit New York, get inspired by what you heard in New York, and sort of be the conduit 
or the transplant to move that to Seattle. You know, I, when you said that the program director or your boss didn't like the music, I'm thinking that you was gonna say like every five minutes when you started playing and he was at the thing like, yo, come on, what's up, man? Why are you playing that again? But it seems like you played a really, really big role in helping people kind of adapt to like, yo, this, well, this is what it's gonna be. Like you were the, the pioneer. You foreshadowed what it was gonna be. The thing is, my boss, Steve Mitchell, couldn't argue with me because we had uh, these ratings come out. They were called Arbitron ratings. Yeah. And and being on the AM dial, every time I was on the air, it would be number one. <laughs> and then it, it couldn't mess with me, man. Kind of go, hey, look, you know, you want you want to schedule commercials and sell your advertisements to myself. I'm number one on this time slot, you know. And they couldn't argue with me with that. But when you say college radio, yeah, you know what? Uh, I remember very well uh, what played a big influence on me in New York. Uh, were uh, the Austin 2 at W was at WNWK. Um, half Pint, Half Pint was on, uh, who was WNWK also? Uh, for those, and, and Chuck Chillout, they, they were very yeah. well known back then, you know, uh, during college grade. Chuck Chillout's from the Bronx, too. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and they were the ones that would play uh, my mix lot records, too. Uh, they were the only ones that would play it, you know, the Kiss and BLS, they wouldn't touch it. But, but those guys did, man. And I remember it was Half Pint and Hank Love. Hank Love. Remember he uh, was Hank Love? Yeah, Hank Love. And, but Half Pint was the one I, I always talked to. And we're friends to this day. I mean, he's like a pastor now. But we still keep in touch, you know. But it was his show and the awesome too. They, they would always support me. And then Chuck Chillout sometimes he would support me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, WBLS and KISS pretty much only allocated maybe about an hour to two hours a day. It wasn't like that they were continuously playing hip-hop. It was like they were testing the waters with it also. You know, and Red Alert eventually had his shine on 98.7, and he was in competition with, um, with Molly Maul and Mr. Magic. Um, I don't think until Hot 97 came along. Hot 97 kind of. No, they, they weren't there. They were, was no, Hot, 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 no, Hot 97 was originally playing house music. Yeah, it was, yeah it, was, it was like, it was, then it turned into dance music, freestyle, Miami bass, that kind of stuff. And, and they sounded really good, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I, remember, I remember every time of the hour from the top of the Empire State Building. You know, he doesn't Hot get he doesn't get credit for it, but Hot, um, Funkmaster Flex has been with Hot 97 since almost like the inception. Like he's been there for a long time. He was to, uh-huh. with, with Red Alert, was to 98.7 Kiss FM, and Mr. Magic was to 107.5. Funkmaster Flex was there where he had like an hour and he was on, and he just stuck around to the formatting actually changed, you know, to now. Oh, okay. now. But I'm gonna tell you the song that really rung off, I think, in New York from um, Mix A Lot perspective. And I know Ken and Rob probably remember this. My posse's on Broadway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. well here, here, here's a story about that song. You know, uh, I, I I told Nick Edlock and I meet him to go, this is the, I said, this is one song that would break New York because New York has the biggest Broadway. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just thought, I just knew. I just knew, man, that this is the one. Because everywhere else, they like the songs. Every city had a Martin Luther King Street, had a Broadway, right? But New York had the Broadway. Broadway. That's right. I mean, the Broadway. The Broadway I used to go to before they, before Disney destroyed it. The <laughs> you know? Wait a minute, wait. Next, before, you, before you go any further with it, for people that may not be familiar with Broadway once was, in New York. Can you elaborate a little bit on what you see <laughs> on 42nd? Oh, <laughs> well, you know, uh, it wasn't a, you know, when my mom, I told my sister, don't tell my mom when I'm going out there. And she knew that was, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm like 12, 13 years old going out there because, wow. you know, but, but the, I tell you, that area had the best kung fu stores where I could buy Bruce Lee books martial art books. They had movie theaters each side of the street and that was where I could watch 
three Bruce Lee movies and one black exploitation movie, all for like two dollars. You know, wow. I just, it, but it wasn't crazy. It just wasn't so. It wasn't just so safe there, but that's also a place where you know people walk around. You, you can buy cocaine. Like I remember this one nerdy looking guy going, cocaine, cocaine, cocaine. You know, <laughs> you know? and then talk about prostitutes, they just like they walking around with yeah. no top on. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it wasn't very safe, but for me, because you know, I was confident because I knew martial arts, no one bothered me. And I loved that environment. But yeah, it was cool going to the movie theaters, you know, you could smoke cigarettes in there. And, I just love going like the, the Bruce Lee movies. You can watch three Bruce Lee movies and another movie for like two, three dollars, you know. Um, but it was crazy, you know. And then plus they had a couple record stores that I would buy my vinyl at, you know. But yeah, but but yeah, like I said, uh, I you know New York had the biggest Broadway, but New York Mark Collections, and I did all the radio promotions, was not the market that broke across on Broadway. It, it was other markets like in the south, uh, KDAY, LA, uh, the Bay Area, uh, Georgia, New Orleans. Philadelphia is probably the closest to New York that that broke Posse on Broadway. Because I remember Power 99, WUSL, uh, Big Big John Mons was the program director, and Kobe Cole was, was the, he was an intern then. Now Kobe Cole runs all these big radio stations. I used like big time now, but I, he was there as an intern. He remembers me real well because I gave him a nasty mix jacket. And uh, and they flew us out there to Philly to do a, a show. And uh, so, yeah, I remember Philly was a big supporter. St. Louis was a big supporter. But yeah, New York really wasn't, except for maybe uh, college radio, an Hank Love show or something like that. But you know, he only came out once in the week, over the weekend. So, you didn't really get to, you know, it helped, but it wasn't like getting full location. Like Power Power 99 Philly had it in regular location. <clears throat> yeah, 40, 42nd Street was a different planet back then. And think, yo, Disney, Disney, if I actually, Disney kind of destroyed it. I know it was dangerous, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but it was almost fun out there. And I mean, because the energy, the energy in New York was 42nd Street. Everything was happening. So many things were happening. Let me ask you this, being a, and loving martial arts and hip hop, what are your thoughts when you first heard Wu-Tang? Oh, man, I, I loved it. Uh, you know, it was like, I know what Wu-Tang is, but I, you know, and I, I knew who Steve Rifkin was too, because he discovered that, and you know, being in the business, he actually hired me to promote his records on Loud Records, and I promoted to uh, college radio. But I think the, the the coolest part about it is when they came to LA, and I was the rap editor for his magazine. Was uh, the RZA came up to the office, and he spent more time in my office and talking to me than he did everywhere else in, in the building. You know, because he saw pictures of you know I I still am a part of Bruce Lee's original school. He saw pictures, and then he's uh, and then he knows it's a martial arts and. You know, we would talk and talk about. He, he loves martial arts. I remember him. He stood out. I remember Kumo D loves martial arts. And another one, uh, the legendary Wiz Kid, the DJ who passed away. Wiz Kid was a huge kung fu fan. You know, so I remember those three really, really loved martial arts. You know, and uh, yeah, I, I, it's crazy how uh, <laughs> Bruce Lee martial arts played a huge impact on hip hop. On hip hop. You know, yeah, and I didn't get into martial arts because of that. I've right. always been down right. martial arts. You know, it just so happened it's kind of crossed paths. Kind of used that way. Yeah. Before the pitch, how did how did you end up transitioning from the radio into you know becoming a, a moving and becoming a um, editor on a, a magazine? Oh, that that was kind of easy because um, the uh, magazine. They knew I had a, a strong connection with college radio, and they said, "We know we need to open up a, a, a open up a, a section in the magazine where we involve college rap radio in it, and they sell ads and blah blah blah." And they said, "The guy who hired me, Ricky Lee-Mench, who uh, passed away, but he was the founder of um, Mix Show Conference Calls." Um, he knew Funkmaster Fleck, all those guys before anyone else did. And um, 
he's the first guy to put these uh, DJ conference calls together every every week, every two weeks. And then I so I started doing the same thing with my DJs. And I've been doing it now for 22 years. And I just had a call yesterday with my DJs. Uh, our guests are usually up and coming uh, unsigned artists. I had uh, artists by the name by the name of Fresh Boy G um, and Krita were on there. And it's cool because uh, a lot of these artists that were on my call from the day one, you need to see how they blown up became big many years later. But yeah, so that was the transition. Um, you know, they, 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 you know, I did all I could in Seattle and they were offering me uh, a place to stay, uh, more money. Uh, They're paying for my flight to move from Seattle to LA. And at first I didn't want to do it because, you know, Seattle's my home, but man, there was just so much hating going on. I wanted to grow. I wanted to grow and I also wanted to be in TV and, and movies. I wanted to at least be in something, you know, it's been my dream. That's all, all that came through. So, on that note, if you ever watch House Party 4, it doesn't, it's the oh, one yeah. that plays that in. I'm in there. I, I, I played the gay pilot. And what else was in? Oh, <laughs> Kung Fu movies. I was in Kung Pao and there's a fist. I'm the guy with the I'm the guy with the boombox. Every time they fight, they don't fight. You see me dancing at the boombox. <laughs> that's me. You know, that's just to name a few. So, so I'm an aspiring actor, hoping to be like the next, the next Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> I see, I see behind you on the wall. I see the Miseducation of Lauren Hill and some plaques. Talk, talk to us about that jewelry on your wall. What plaques you got there? Oh, and what did it mean? Oh, Oh, you know, these plaques mean a lot to me because it shows that uh, I was the guy behind the artist who, you know, these plaques are like an award. Give it to say, hey, man, thank you for all your help. You deserve this. And, you know, I, I had a great relationship with Rough House Records uh, and uh, Chris Schwartz, who runs that. Uh, we still communicate to say he's responsible for Chris Cross, Cypher Hill. Uh, the Fuji, Lauren Hill, I mean, uh, uh, Tim Dog, a, a list of friends, <laughs> you know. So it's, it's, it's guys like him who remember people like me who help promote their records and play their records first. And, and that's why I have that up there. Um, you know, I got Mariah Carey up there. I was one of the first guys to play Mariah Carey on the radio in Seattle. And uh, just coincidentally, I'm a really close friends with her brother who's also a, a martial artist his name is Morgan and uh, yeah I've got a whole bunch more in, in my, my house you know uh, but you know labels they don't really give out plaques anymore uh, they probably do this to a few DJs but it's not like back in the days where you know we get plaques all the time uh, mm -hmm. so so if anyone's watching you know, a record label and they have anything to do with you can you send me a plaque <laughs> didn't you but didn't you you got don't you have two plaques also from your label for sir mix a lot oh yeah i got yeah i got a bunch of new plaques they're, they're all up here you know even on the label that i wasn't part of uh Jeff american i've got a baby got that one um that he did that i got you know it, i helped uh promote uh, uh he had an album out called seattle the dark side and i helped promote uh some of the artists on there. One of them was e Dog. He had a song called Drop Top that I helped make go number one. But I told Nick when he gave me Baby Got Back on a cassette tape and played it on my radio show. I told him, I go, man, don't take this wrong, but this is going to be your biggest record ever. But nothing else he ever put out will be anything in this record. It's just like Empty Hammer. You can't touch this. I told him the same thing. And, and so far, I've been right. You know, it's kind of hard to to really uh, come out with something other to pop that one but man you're he's set for life so you know baby got back and it's so it's so cool to see that man because here's a guy I knew you know we would eat at McDonald's together you know <laughs> we were broke together you know and uh, and he and he is from the project you know I was there living with his mom and to see that you know to see where he's at now it's it amazing you know I have a lot of stories I never Ice Cube, you know, he didn't know anybody. He was following me around, doing his seminar with his Jerry Curl. He didn't know anybody. He would just follow me, you know, like, 
And I remember Ice T, you know, every time I saw him on the road, he'd he go, hey man, house makes a lot. Hey, uh, you know, he didn't care about me even on the home kick Yeah, I guess he's fine. You know, want me to say hi to him? Yeah, man, Tim makes a lot of Ice T. He said hi. <laughs> okay, that's I'm- fine. I'm happy to hear though. I'm happy to hear that um, Sir Mixalot had his business right to actually eat off that record in perpetuity because that record is going to live on forever. I would imagine that record plays on the radio every day somewhere. It's been sampled God only knows how many times in movies and everything. Like man, like he, he'll never, he'll never be able to surpass that. Well, you know, you know what else helped him out was uh, I remember getting a, a vinyl in the mail and it was uh, I can't remember her name. Uh, Kate Lorenz or whatever her name was, and it was called Don't You. And I go, wow, this this record sounds just like the mixing song called Swag. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the Pussycat Dolls we did it, and it went like mega, 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 mega platinum. And I called and I texted or emailed Mr. Manager, called him and I told him, Hey man, uh, I see someone just did the record. The record called Swag. And he goes, you sure? I go, I'm positive. And uh, so, uh, yeah, he, he he did really well from that. He, you know, so really lucky, you know? Man, that's crazy. Let me ask you, in, in your perspective or your opinion, what has changed most about hip-hop, good and bad? Um, hey, real quick, how many more minutes we got so I have an idea? About 15 Okay, I'm gonna switch hats, okay? If you don't mind, <laughs> my my guy, my guy, Sunny Bonaho sent this to me, man, and it, and it has really good meaning. He says, "This day every Sunday, right? Every Sunday." Yeah. yeah. And then, and the cool thing about it, like I told you know, I promised him I would uh, weird stuff or promote stuff that's positive. And I asked him, I said, "What's what, what, what's every Sunday mean?" He goes, well, you know, a lot of people just go and worship and pray to God only on Sundays. And I go, do you, do you see people doing that? So yeah, I'm that way too sometimes. He goes, well, I think, you know, he said with him, I, I always worship, thank the Lord every day. So every day to him is, is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Sunday is every Sunday. So this is, this, so that's the... Uh, so anyone who's seeing this, I hope it influences you influence you in a good way. All right. What was your last question again? Now, I said, what has changed in your perspective about hip-hop, good or bad? Oh, okay. You know what? Uh, when they stopped uh, making vinyl, that's when I knew, you know, I was like, oh, man. You know, because having vinyl back in those days was a good way of me. Like, if I had a record I wanted you to play, mm-hmm. you know, I would have the exclusive and say, hey, uh, Shannon, man, I got this new uh, record by Ken, man, and I have it on vinyl, and you can be the first to have it. And then, and then you go, yeah, how can I get it? Well, I'll send it to you if you chart it on the Gavin or the Hits chart. And you go, you promise? Yeah, I'll send it to you. Mm-hmm. See, now, but now you, you can get any record you want. You can even uh, go on YouTube and, and, and turn it into an MP3, you know? It's like yeah. it's easy to get records now, so I think that hurt artists a lot when when the MP3, the digital age, happened. Uh, so so it's good and bad to it too. And now uh, with DJs, DJ, I think the cool part is they have this thing called Serato. Yeah. yeah, you know, see, I'm used to playing vinyl. I don't really DJ anymore like the old days, but. I'm used to having vinyl, putting vinyl on the, on the SL1200. People don't even use that anymore. They use the, no. the, they use the rain, the rain the controller. Uh, yeah. controllers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and then crates. Yeah, I remember having crates of records when I did gigs. Although I never carried the crates, but I had all my guys carrying them. <laughs> but I did, I did have, I did have crates. I was lazy, but I did have crates, you know. And uh, so now you just go on the computer and punch it up, you know. This is kind of amazing how it's grown. And I'm not mad at that, man. That's life, you know? Things gotta evolve. You can't just stay the same all the time. 
so in that aspect it's good and bad uh, but yeah I think uh, when vinyl when they got rid of vinyl and they say now vinyl is really popular again, but um, you know uh, but as far as extending it to DJs and everything it just it's a lot easier now to promote a record off of MP3 because all I got to do is press a button and they'll go to 200 DJs you know but the thing is since it's so easy to do that I've got all these other promoters that can do the same thing so it's yeah. like I'm in competition with everybody else trying to break a record you know like yeah. like my like my guest yesterday at my coffee shop Frida and Fresh 4G you know there's like 50 other promoters promoting the artists unsigned artists but I think the thing with me with my company rapattacklives.com I, I really promote and stick to the college radio these days and I really try to keep unsigned artists give them a chance to shine on the chart mm-hmm. you know even if it's just on the chart they're not really selling but just to get the, the name the visual out there that yeah man there's a new record new record here by Ken by Shannon man where'd you see that it's on the rapattacklives.com chart yeah. so really oh yeah cool you know so so i've been trying to keep myself relevant that right. way you know like, right. my, my djs are loyal i don't have a, a whole bunch of djs like i used to but they're the ones that i do have make a difference because you know they'll they'll give it a shot to test it they'll be honest and they'll tell you if it's whack or not so, yeah yeah i can't tell you how many artists um in new york when I was growing up, were broke on college radio from Stretch. You familiar with Stretch Armstrong and Bobito? Yeah, yeah. And you know, Bobito, I, him and I go back because he worked at Def Jam, mm-hmm. and he was a, he was the guy who sent me my first Def Jam record. It was him and uh, Russell Simmons. You know, when they were first starting out, that's how I got the, the first LL record. It was a purple mm-hmm. color vinyl, and uh, yeah, that's how I got to know who who they were. Bobito and. Uh, that's when he, I, I knew when he had hair, he had hair. <laughs> and, and I, no, seriously, I knew him, when, and if you know Bob Beecher, I knew him when he only had like two pairs of tennis shoes. And now you know, he's, he's a, a huge, yeah, he's got a, yeah. yeah, yeah, so him and I go way back. I, I, I've known a net stretch, but I, I but Bob Beecher and I go way, way, way back. Yeah. yeah. And what happened the was a lot of these record labels, like even Martin a lot of these record labels recognized that they were they had their finger on the pulse in terms of talent and started putting them in positions of like A&Rs and things like that you know like I think Martin Moore may have been an A&R at Penalty Records or Tommy Boy or something yeah I remember him yeah people you know like so college college radio has always been like a good resource and a pool to get talent or to break records I think from from, um, college radio yeah and that's why that's why Hits Magazine hired you because, like you said, penalty. Me and the owner, uh, Neil Levine, because we used to do business with Neil Levine and Nasty Records, he uh, knew I was the guy in Seattle, the guy who has the connection with College Radio. And uh, yeah, it, it was because of that uh, that College Radio played a huge influence. See, the thing with College Radio is uh, you don't have to ask permission from the program director to play a record, unlike, yeah. unlike terrestrial radio now. You can't you can't break a record in a mix show anymore. You gotta play what's on a list. College radio, they they can play whatever you wanna play. And in a small station you can play uncensored stuff after nine PM. But I always make sure I send the radio edit. Always make sure I send the radio edit. Uh, but if they request a dirty version, I'll send the dirty version. Um, but yeah, that's the benefits of college radio and yeah. Christian Bobito, yep, 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 they sure did do their thing. And you're right about record labels hiring uh, that's like that to become an artist. Yeah, yeah. We had Dr. Dre from uh, from Your MTV Raps on, and he was talking about you know, <laughs> his his uh, time at college radio and what it meant to him at Adelphi. You know, so I, I I just think college radio doesn't get the credit that it deserves for being that minor league system and really, really being that filtration system for getting real good talent through. Because there were records that I'm sure artists took to the people who won the premiere radio stations that they just shooed away like nah I'm not playing this this ain't getting in rotation and then they picked up heat on college radio and then those same people now were in demand at the mainstream radio stations as a result of it the mainstream radio started going looking for them like alright so who is who is this Wu-Tang Clan who's record, who's record? All right. 
Yeah, yeah like like here in 2022, I tell you, uh, one college record, uh, there's a, a few, but one that stands out that's really making noise in my DJ is the artist El Gant. I don't know if you ever heard of him, El Gant, but uh, he has an album called OSLO, and uh, you know, like, Premier broke that record for him. And it's like a big record on the underground scene, you know. So El Gant, you know, so if it wasn't for DJs that report to me at rapattackers.com, and we're helping him get his name out there, but yeah, it's not like uh, like commercial radio, man. But uh, hey, you know, at least it's, at least you still have an option. And I'm I'm gonna still be from one record college radio as long as they keep hiring me, you know, because I really believe in them. You know, my my last years in radio were, was on college radio, you know, so they, they play a big influence and less less politics too, I'm sure. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I think that there's no pressure. I'm sure when you when you're dealing with major radio stations, you know you have to deal with whatever is in rotation and the relationships that program directors have with record labels. Was that a question? No, I'm just saying. That was a cop. Hey, uh, yeah. hey, when you take when you, when you take when you, see, you can take a picture of the screenshots for my for my, my photo album. Can you make sure you get one with me wearing this hat? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Because okay. <laughs> I, I get a bonus, I get like like two grand. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 nah, but I want to show him. I want to show him. I tell you, this guy sent me bono. He, he he's also Asian brother. And, and man, that guy, he, he's really trying to make it, you know, he has his uh, uh, clothing called Warlord. Mm-hmm. And to see someone like him, you know, hustle and everything, you know, like when he, when he makes it big, I'm going to be very proud of him because I was there to support him. You know, being in this business, I mean, every time when you try to come up, try to come up big, it's really the people that you really think going to support you, they don't support you. They, they want to see you fail, you know. You know what I mean? I mean it's it's true. true. Sometimes I get I, I get that way too when I see someone I admire a lot and then they start making it. It's like, man, how do you get all these movies and stuff, man? How come it's not me? You know, you get that attitude. You can't think like that. You gotta really uh, support. You gotta right. try your best to, to love and respect what they do. Because it, when it's your time, it'll happen. If it's God's will, it will happen. Man. For sure. You know, so, yeah. So you know, you guys. I hope you guys won't hate on me, man. Because when I when I become big, that's right. I remember you guys. Look, that's probably I, I, really real. Look, when, oh, you, yeah. when you become big, when you become, you got two platinum records, man. Two platinum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I don't, I don't have an Oscar or a Grammy. Yet. So I have Oscar Grammy. You guys will be like, you guys, you guys will be in the nosebleed seat, but you'll be there. <laughs> and I'm I'm gonna wave at you. Did you, go, did you go to um? Did you go to audition for the new house party that's coming out? Because there's a new house party coming out. <laughs> no, nah, you know, I, I, I first, you know, I, you know, it's it just by hearing I've heard that a lot of, but no, I didn't, I didn't go to audition for that. But I have auditioned for movies that. Stars like Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know why, man. All these big movies, you know, they're still saying no to me, but I'm going to one day turn that no into yes. Exactly. So yes. There you go. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, just remember, yeah, like, you know, like Arnold, the guy who played Arnold on Happy Days and Mr. Miyagi, he didn't get big and famous until he was like past his 50s. And I'm already past my 50s, so. But I still got a little time to become rich and famous. There you go. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. There you go. See, look Y'all at this. Look, look, he said you made it three times three times over already. <laughs> hey man, and when I come out there, you know, I wanna hook up with you. Uh come out my I wanna go to the Bronx, man. I heard I seen stories about the food there. The, the, is it Jamaican food? Yeah, oh, son, you want, I'll take yeah. you right up White Plains Road, baby. Don't even worry about yeah. it. <laughs> you know, because every time I go there, I always want to eat at White Castle. But <laughs> I was bring I was bring like a big thick stack of Rolex. <laughs> 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 but I want to go to the Bronx 
No, seriously, I you know, because I used to front and say I was from the Bronx. So I might as well actually go there once in my life to take a picture of things. Yeah, man, back home. Hey, the Bronx. So you never, you've, never, you've never been to the Bronx? Yeah, you've never been? I, I probably drove through there and not even knew I was in the Bronx. But no, nah, I've, I've been to Queens, I've been in New Jersey, to Philly, but never to the Bronx. Isn't that where, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, on Cedric Avenue, where, where it started? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. What's his name? Cool Herc. The started. Cool Herc. Herc. Yeah, Cool Herc, yes. That's what Cool yeah, Herc's party's at, on Cedric Avenue. Yeah, yeah see, I've, ne- I've never met him. You know? I like to at least get a I picture in front of that. that. Is he pretty cool, man? Yeah, yeah, he's cool. Yeah, he's cool. cool. I, it's, I've interacted with him. It'd be interesting to see you and him in the same room because both of y'all have really? upbeat personality. So it would be like a, reg, a regular, regular joke fest. Yeah, said five one burger if you go to White Castle. Awesome. That'd be great, man. You know, like I met Red Alert. I know him. I know Bambada. But yeah, I never met Cool. Cool Herc is probably the only one I've never met with. I met uh, the girl from Philly. Uh, she just had a street named after Lady D. Is it Lady D? Remember her? From Philly? Lady D. Oh, I want to you you, tell you, I don't want, so you don't get your, your hopes up high about the Bronx. Like the Bronx, what it was probably in the 80s is no longer <laughs> what it is now. Like you know, the, the history and culture and tradition of the Bronx Gentrification mm-hmm. has changed the way the Bronx looks, so you're not gonna get the, oh. the beach street experience. You know, you're That's gonna okay. get a whole different experience. No, but it's still dangerous. You like danger. The thing is, you know, uh, a good friend of mine, Rocky, he he's building the uh, Universal Hip Hop Museum. It's gonna be in the Bronx, I think. Oh, right? Yes, Are you familiar? Yeah, yeah. Yes, they're building it. They're building it right now. You know. So, uh, so I, I know I, I know I'll be there for that. But aside from that, man, yeah, you know, let's hook up. I, I'd like to go to the Bronx, all right? And, and, and hey, let me ask you this: How about Canal Street? Do they still sell fake Rolexes? Yes, everything yeah. fake on Canal Street. Everything yeah. is still there. Yeah. That's that's one place really? that hasn't changed. That's one place yeah. that hasn't changed. <laughs> well, let me know when you, let me know when you go back there again, man. Because you know, out here in LA. You know, if you wear a real Rolex, you know, if you floss it, like, you know, with this watch, they, they'll try to steal it from you. You know, it's just so bad out here in LA. So I figured, well, shoot, let me invest in a fake Rolex just so if they steal it from me, it'll be like, I just lost $25, right? So next time you go to Canal Street, you know, you tell me, I, I, I'll, I'll cash after you. I'll even throw in the extra $5. Just for your Seriously, I want I want a Rolex. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to th- I haven't been to Canal Street and I don't know how many years. It gotta be like twenty years probably. Like I yeah, last time on the Canal Street yeah. be a kid. It's been it's been a few Not, years, but it's still the same, shot. It's still the same. I, yeah, I used to buy I used to buy a bootleg uh uh VHS tapes you know, like if a new movie came uh, out, mm-hmm. you would buy it and then you see the people in their heads walking through the aisle, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I, I used to collect I used to collect that. Then, then they started doing it on DVDs, and then now all you need is a uh, one of those fire sticks, illegal fire sticks, and you can watch any movie on the fire stick. You know? Yeah. I don't. I don't have one. In case, you know, the law, the police are watching. I don't have one, but I know there's a uh, fire stick you can watch. That. <laughs> yeah, Canal Street, Canal, Canal Street in New York City is is not comparable to Canal Street. In New Orleans, Canal Street is pretty much where you go downtown to, to get just what Ness said. You know, you could get knockoffs, you could get oh, leathers, you could get pickpocketed. I'm sorry, turtles out there, so you got to yeah. yeah. Really? How about, how about uh, a <laughs> Louis Vuitton first? Can you get that there? You could get that too. You could get that in Harlem. You could get that anywhere someone's selling stuff, bro. Knockoff, you could get in Canal Street. Can that, wasn't Canal Street or Delancey Street used to be the spot for um, jewelry too? Delancey Street, you go get a hood, yeah. you go get a leather jacket, you get a Shirley, mm-hmm. you get wow. Street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to go back, man. Well, if I co- when I come back, man, because, you know, I got... Definitely got to visit my sister one day. Uh, I'll definitely hit you guys up, all right? And we'll, we'll go. <laughs> we'll go to Canal Street. Oh, your, your sister's still in New York City? 
He's still there, man. East oh. 81st on the Upper East Side. Mm-hmm. Nice. Rent control. She got rent control, so she's forever paying like cheap rent for the rest of her life in the area where our one bedroom there now is like four thousand, five thousand a month. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's made by gentrification. That's the gentrification. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Never yeah, tell her never leaving. If she decides to leave, she says something. Oh no, she's not gonna leave. She loves it out there. Except in her in her apartment, it kinda sucks, man. She's on the fourth floor and there's no elevator. Walk up. <laughs> you know those apartments. Walk, 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 you gotta walk. walk, hey, yo, walk. Oh, That's my well, mom right there, son. Ah, Rob Mom said they sell everything in the basement of the stores now. What's up, Mom? Oh, really? <laughs> what store? <laughs> Her store? It, it depends on what you're looking for. Yeah. Oh, yo, my, my mother's an avid shopper. She knows all the little spots in New York, all the little doors, everything, man. Yeah, okay, because I know I know my wife wants to Louis Vuitton first, and I need a Rolex. So I'm going <laughs> to hook up with you, Rob, and tell your mom, you know, let's work it out. We're working out. We're working out, bro. Yeah, you could probably get it for $100. probably get a Rolex collection. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You yeah. So every time I get robbed out of here, you don't care because <laughs> I only paid like $10. Yeah, I just put on another one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm glad I did this interview. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. I got to get props to Jeff Kwan, my publicist. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be on this, on this show. So, Jeff, thank you, man, because... I'm gonna have ten Rolexes by next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ness, man, I appreciate you. And Jeff, yes, Jeff, Jeff, we have to talk <laughs> offline. I got to tell you the joke <laughs> that Ness told oh, me. Oh. <laughs> oh my God! Okay, I'm switching hats now. Okay, yeah. So Jeff, man, you know what? I, I, they promised me they wouldn't leak it out to anyone, so it's all good. Don't worry, Jeff. Okay. <laughs> you guys oh, promised, man. right? That's right. In LA, do they still have Fashion Avenue? Oh, it's called. Oh, you talking about uh, where they have all the bootlegs and stuff? Yeah, that, that, Yeah, yeah. What do they call that? They call it the alley. The alley. <clears throat> they still have it here. Yeah, but it's not like Canal Street, you know. But they they have it out here. Yeah, it's, it's all right, you know. It, it, I don't really brag about it. There's nothing on in there that I used to just go there just to buy bootleg DVDs. But mm-hmm. since uh, uh since uh. I have a friend that has a fire stick. I don't have to go there anymore. <laughs> yeah. And they don't have Rolex. They don't have Rollies there. I don't think I've ever seen one. And if they do, uh, they'll hide it. And you have to go to like that secret place and they'll show it to you. You know, probably like that. But like, yeah, no, like, I'm just going to I'm, the guy I'm gonna go to Rob. He opened the trench coat and he got the assortment of watches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather go to Rob's mom. I, I, I trust Robert's mom. Okay. Shout out to my mom for knowing all the underground spots, man. What's yeah. up? What's up, Ma? What's up, Ma? <laughs> well, Nasty Desk, man, we want to thank you for uh, for joining us tonight in this great discussion. Look, in your next life after actor, certainly comedian. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> oh, good, bro. Okay. You got it rolling over here, man. <laughs> Certainly comedian. Uh, plug, plug anything else you got going on and where else they can find you. I got your Instagram on the screen, but tell us where else they can find you if they want to get in contact. Well, you know, you know, I've, I've been in radio since, what, 1979, so over 42 years. And uh, and I still do what I love doing. So every Sunday night from 9 to 11 p.m. And that's West Coast time. You guys are in bed by then. It's, it's really midnight to 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, your time. Uh, I have a show called K Fox Night Beat, which pretty much is based on my original show that I started back in 1980. Um, and I have uh, DJ's Grand Mixer GMS on there. I've got DJ T, DJ Budget Money, Lex Santa Elena doing the last half hour of the, the mixing. So mm-hmm. I play all the songs back then that were brand new and became classics. And uh, I think you'll like it. You know, if you're listening on RainierAfterRadio.world. And then, of course, I've got uh, the RapAttackLives.com, where I have the independent hip-hop charts. So, uh, you know, if there's a record on you have out, an independent artist, you want to hire me to get your exposure, man, you know, if you send me a Rolex, I'll definitely promote your record for free. Uh, but, yeah, go, go to RapAttackLives.com, because I, I, that's how I keep hip-hop alive with the independent and signed artists. Just do that. And uh, what else? Um, that's it, man. Just still going to auditions. 
uh, being turned down every time. And uh, what else? <laughs> uh, man, just enjoying life. And but talking to As brothers you like you, man. You know what? I really appreciate you guys. Seriously, and this is the first time we've ever met. We've ever talked. But man, I feel like we're family, man. It's like I feel like I know you guys, you know. And, and that's a good sign. Soon we get you. As soon as we get you a Rolex, you're gonna become family, bro. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> hey, man. When I go, when I go, when I go to New York, remember Bronx. We're gonna go to the Bronx. All right. <laughs> I got somebody else for the phone. Thank you, guys. Everybody, thank you. <laughs> thank you for tuning in to the No Ideas Original Podcast. We'll catch you all on the next one. Peace, everybody. Peace. Good night. Peace.